I'm giving you 15 minutes. You will begin with your understanding of the Bible and you will end with your understanding of the return of Jesus. And in between, you will talk about all the major doctrines of the Christian faith in a way that will make sense for your life and the lives of others. Can you do it? Let me help you join us for this series that we're doing on Sunday night called Doctrines for Living. Well, for our guests and we hope uh, uh, returnees, <laughs> uh, we're doing a series on Sunday night called Doctrines for Living. Uh, we're, we're doing a, a series on theology. What do we believe? What does the Bible teach? And we want to know what the Bible teaches, and we want to know it in a systematic way uh, so we can have a faithful, integrated witness for Jesus. And we're at a place where we're talking about the will of God, and we began talking about the will of God last week. We want to continue tonight, and let's just, by way of refresher, uh, begin by turning to the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 29. This is a very, very important verse. In Deuteronomy 29, 29, God speaking through Moses writes these words, the secret things, the hidden things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and our children forever that we may do all the words of the law. Here Moses is talking about the will of God. And our God, our God who is one, our God who is one God, our God who is one God in three persons, our God who is a unity, our God who is not divided in any way, our God has one will, only one will. And yet that will of God, in order for us to understand the will of God, we have to understand the will of God from two different perspectives. And Moses is setting before us here those two different perspectives. Uh, the first of those perspectives he calls the secret things or the hidden things. We could call them the eternal things, those things that, according to Moses, belong to the Lord our God. This is the will of God that God decreed from before the foundations of the world. This is the will of God that will be done. It is immutable, unchangeable, indestructible. It is God's hidden will. We don't know what that is, but he does. It is his sovereign purpose expressed upon the earth among his people and in the lives of his people. And it is a wonderful mercy of God that we don't know the decreed will of God. It is a wonderful mercy of God that you don't know exactly what's going to happen in your life five years from now. You don't even know what's going to happen in your life tomorrow. Nor do I. And that's God's mercy and grace. We believe in the absolute and total sovereignty of God, that God rules over everything and everyone. Now, that is, to me, the most precious doctrine in the whole Bible about who God is. And you will either reject that doctrine and find it disturbing, even traumatic, or you will rest in it 
and rejoice in it. And whether you reject it or rest in it is determined by whether you are comfortable with God being in complete control or whether you're more comfortable with God being in some control and you being in some control, you'd like to share the ride with him. But God doesn't share the ride with us. God is God. And his will is decreed from before the foundations of the world, and yet in God's, God's good grace, God has chosen to reveal his will to us That's why Moses says the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us, and they belong to our children forever. How do they belong to our children? Because God reveals them to us in his word, and we teach them to our children. We we open the Bible and teach them the truth of God, not just in the church, but in our homes. And there's a reason that we do this, because God's revealed will, God's truth that he gives to us that we can know is given to us not to build up our minds intellectually but to inform us in order to transform us that we might obey God. The reason God gives us his word is that we might know God and in knowing God we might be drawn into a relationship with God and we might give ourselves to obey God. Let's talk just a minute about the decreed will of God, that eternal will of God, that hidden will of God. Turn to Acts chapter 2, verse 23. There are a lot of places we could go, but I just want to take you to a few places so that you can see this. Peter is preaching at Pentecost as he is trying to address the confusion of the crowds about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So he points them to Jesus. And in this sermon that he preaches, he uses the phrase, this Jesus, three times. He uses it for the first time in Acts 2.23. Listen to what he says. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan. The word here is the word for predestination. This Jesus delivered up according to the predestined, predetermined. Predetermined from when? From before the foundations of the earth. According to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. You did that. You are responsible for doing that. But what you did was the fulfillment of the decree of God. Turn over to Acts chapter 17. Paul is in Athens, in this most pagan of cities, and he's preaching in Athens, and he says in Acts 17, the the screen says Acts 17, 28, but that's my bad. It's Acts 17, 26. Acts 17, 26, and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth. Now listen to this. Having determined, this is decreed from before the foundations of the world, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. 
Let's just put that in simple English. God predetermined, predestined, decreed from before the foundation of the world exactly how long you will live and exactly where you will live. Now, that's in God's hands. Now, we didn't know that. We don't know that. We just trust God's sovereignty to watch over us and provide for us and to lead us. There are other texts there. You can look at them later if you desire. Here is the decreed will of God, the secret, hidden, eternal will of God. It is the absolute, eternal, and sovereign will of God which will be done. It is immutable, unchangeable, inviolable. It is God's eternal will. And we're taught to pray, aren't we? Thy will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. As it's decreed in heaven, as it's declared in heaven, we want God's will fully and perfectly to be done on earth, and it, it will. The decreed will of God calls us to trust God's character and to rest in his sovereignty, the trust that God is good, God is not cruel, God is not capricious, God is kind, God is working out his will to fulfill his purposes upon the earth. So we're, we're called to trust God's character and to rest in his sovereignty. While we focus on his revealed will, there are, a lot, there are a lot of things that happen, right, in our lives that we don't understand. We can't comprehend. But we trust God's sovereign will. I don't think any one of us can follow the story from Atlanta and the young man that killed the eight or the six Asian women and two others who was an active member of his church growing up as a young person in his youth group, had made a profession of faith, been baptized in the Southern Baptist Church, Crabapple Baptist Church. I've been to the, I know that church, know the ministry of that church. It's a wonderful church. And this young man was active in that church and, and had uh, devoted his life at one point to the Lordship of Jesus. And goes into this spa and kills these women two others. When they arrest him, he's on his way to Florida to do even more damage. How do you explain that? There's no way, no way to explain that. But somewhere in the sovereign purposes of God in ways that we cannot understand, there is rhyme to the mad. There's a reason in the madness. What we must be concerned about is not the eternal will of God, which we cannot know. We have to be concerned about the revealed will of God, and the revealed will of God is rooted in the law of God. If you went back to Deuteronomy chapter 29, at the end of that verse, at the end of that passage, Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 29, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that, the that there means, this is the, this is the purpose. 
This is the reason God reveals his will to us in his word, in his law, that we might do all the words of the law. So God's revealed will is, lo- is rooted in the law of God, where we're told in the law of God, what we call the Ten Commandments, how we are to relate to God as God and how we're to relate to one another as those who belong to God. John Calvin says that where God closes his holy mouth, this is what he says, I will desist from inquiry. There's a lot about God's sovereign will, God's decreed will that we don't understand, so we should not question. We should just trust God and receive God's revealed will knowing that the Bible says we are to acknowledge him in all our ways and he will direct our paths. We submit to his word as our governing authority. His word rules over our lives. It is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. So let's talk about the revealed will of God. It's what we can know. I wanted to give you this example because I think this illustrates um, the relationship between the decreed will of God and the revealed will of God. The decreed will of God. This is clear in Scripture. God knows who are His from before the foundations of the world. Those who are His, He knows from before the beginning of time. That's decreed. Now, unless you've got secret information, God's not revealed that to any one of us in this room. So what is the revealed will of God? Here it is. We're to go into our world and we're to share the gospel with whom? That's clear in the Bible, isn't it? That's our command. Those are our marching orders. You know, I find sometimes, and I just mean this the way I mean it, I find sometimes that those who want to debate over the sovereignty of God and salvation, that God knows who are his from before the foundation of the world, they're not even doing what the Bible says they should be doing. They, they like debating that issue, but they're not telling anybody about Jesus. If you're not doing what God clearly declares, then don't debate that which you really can't debate because... It is the decreed will of God that will be done. Let's talk about about the revealed will of God. Go to Genesis chapter 1. Let's just look at some issues here. Some front burner issues. Then God said, Genesis 1, 26... Then God said, let us make man, the word for man here is the word for mankind. There are two words for man in the Hebrew and Greek, and one means male, one means mankind generically. The word that means mankind generically is used here. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let us, that points clearly to the Trinity, I think, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, making mankind in the image of God, after the likeness of God, that's not two things, that's 
That's one thing spoken through two images, image and likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So we know that the revealed will of God is that he makes all of mankind in his image after his likeness and he gives to us as those created in his image, he gives us dominion over the earth. God created man in his own image, verse 27. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. So here again is the revealed will of God. God created all mankind in his image, all mankind, but he made male and female, distinctive identities, biologically distinctive, theologically distinctive, spiritually distinctive, God-centered distinctive identities. God made us in his image, then he made us distinctively different. So when you and I look at the debates that are going on in our culture, the sexual identity debates, the gender debates, and so forth, our arguments against those things are not political and they're not biological and they're not scientific. They're higher than that. They're biblical. This is the revealed word and will of God. And any time you transgress the revealed will of God, you are committing high treason against a holy God. So we don't, discuss, we don't debate this. We don't fight over this. Listen to what God says about the human beings that he has created. Verse 28, and God blessed them. The word blessing here means what it means throughout the Bible. It really has little to do with material, physical blessing. It has to do with God giving to those he made everything we need to fulfill his purposes and thus to bring glory to his name. And God blessed them. He blessed the male and the female. And God said to them, listen to what he said to them, be fruitful. That's the first thing he says. Be productive. Make good use of your life. Don't waste your time. Don't waste your energy. Don't waste your resources. Be fruitful. Produce fruit. Secondly, he says, multiply. Go have babies. Populate the earth. Multiply and fill the earth. Next thing he says, subdue it. Bring the earth under submission to you. I give everything in the earth to you. You bring it in submission to you because you are my highest creation, the only entity made in my image and likeness. This is God's revealed will. And then he repeats and have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the heavens, over every living thing that moves on the earth. God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed and its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given 
every green plant for food, and it was so. So God calls us to have dominion, and that over which we have dominion provides the resources we need for sustaining life. Now, think about this. This is the revealed will of God. This is the word of God. God says to the humans he made, you are to have dominion over the earth. You are to use the earth and use the resources of the earth so that you might have the provisions that you need. Don't waste your time. Don't waste your energy. Don't waste your resources. This is my will for you. You are to work and you are to gain from the earth the resources that the earth provides so that you might have provision and sustenance for your life. You go all the way over to the New Testament. And Paul, who was Jewish, who had read Genesis, and you read 1 Thessalonians, and Paul says this, If anyone will not work, what's the rest of it? He shall not eat. Because the revealed will of God is that his human creatures are to work, and we are to work in such a way that we produce that provision that we need to sustain us. So if we're not going to obey the revealed will of God, we will not and should not ever get a handout. If you will not work, you will not eat. Now, because we don't really know the revealed will of God sometimes, somebody comes along and they're not working. They could work, but they're not working, and they want food, and what do we do? We give food because not to do so would be unloving. When the revealed will of God is to do so, to give them, is violating the will of God. If they get hungry enough, what will they do? They'll go to work. They'll find something to do. Now, most of us in this room could say, Amen, I'll preach, brother. Well, let's go to the next one. Chapter 2, verse 1. Chapter 2, verse 1 should not be there. This is a chapter marking like all the others. It came later. It interrupts the flow. We should just keep reading. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it what? You know what that word holy means? It means the day that is the Sabbath. For the old covenant people, it was the seventh day of the week. For the new covenant community, the new covenant church is the first day of the week. There are two things that should happen every Lord's Day. Number one, we should rest from ordinary labors. And number two, we should devote the day in its entirety as much as possible to the worship of our great God, morning and evening. Now, there's necessary labor that has to be done. There are necessary duties that have to be attended But this is the revealed revealed will will of God. You honor the day I've given you, and I will bless you. You dishonor the day that I give you and don't expect my blessing. This is how the revealed will of God works. Look at Genesis 2, verses 24 and 25. We could go throughout the Bible doing this. Here is God's revealed will for marriage. 
Adam and Eve are brought together by the creative work of God. Adam created from the dust of the earth. Eve created from the side of Adam. She's brought to Adam. And God pronounces his will for marriage. Therefore, so let me just stop right here and say, therefore, um, no culture gets to decide what a marriage should look like. So you've got marriage in an African culture that looks this way. Marriage in a European culture that looks this way. You've got marriage in the south of the USA that looks a certain way. And what happens is, this happens more than with marriage, it happens with a lot of things. We begin to say, rather than listening to and learning and loving the revealed will of God, we just say something like, well, that's just the way we do things around here. And what we've just said is culture triumphs the word of God. It's more important to us than the word of God. So God says this is the way a marriage should look. Therefore, a man, so who's, who's, who has the primary responsibility in a marriage? God just told you. Therefore, a man, a male, shall leave his father and his mother and give himself to his wife. ESV says hold fast. It, it, it means to cleave to her, to commit yourself to her, to honor her, to love her. He takes that initiative. He loves his wife this way. Paul will pick up on this and tell us how that looks. It looks like a man loving his wife the way Jesus loved the church. This is the revealed will of God. And they shall become one flesh. So let me just, let me just put this in a context. The divorce rate in the United States of America since divorce was legalized as through no-fault divorce in the 1970s, the divorce rate has escalated. And it is still true that the divorce rate among professing conservative evangelicals is almost equal to the divorce rate among secular people. And so you've got sociologists and psychologists and others that are studying why that is true. And most often it is true because of our lack of devotion to what is the revealed will of God. A man shall leave his father and his mother, give himself completely to his wife. They shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and they were not ashamed. Ann and I went through some tough times in our marriage in our early years. It was hard. And I can tell you 99.9% of it was due to me because I did not understand, accept, or submit to the revealed will of God. First Corinthians, well, let's go, let's go to First Thessalonians. I'm going to skip First Corinthians. Go to 1 Thessalonians, let's go to the New Testament. This is just God's Word showing us what is His, what is his will for us. 1, Corinthians, uh, 1 Thessalonians, I'm sorry, chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk, 
Word ought there means as ordained of God, as God has decreed it, as he's revealed it, as you have received from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you're doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instruction we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God. Well, you want to know the will of God? Here it is. This is the will of God, what? Your sanctification. God has saved you to make you more like Jesus. God has saved you and me to make us holy, to set us apart from the world and to establish us under the rule of Jesus as Lord. So the will of God is our sanctification. The will of God is that we abstain from sexual immorality. The word here for sexual immorality is the Greek word pornea, from which we get something like pornography. Do you know what pornea means? It means sex in any form or fashion outside the relationship of the marriage of one man to one woman. A premarital sex, sin or not. Violation of the revealed will of God or no? Yes. A couple moving in together prior to marriage, is it sin or not? Can you ever justify that for anybody, for any reason? No. It is a clear violation of the will of God. What happens when people violate God's will? Does God bring his judgment in those situations? Well, that too is the revealed will of God. You can't live outside the will of God and expect God to bless your life. At some point, there will be some kind of judgment. The decreed will of God is we don't know what that is. We can't pinpoint what that is. But if we participate in sexual immorality, sex outside of marriage in any form or fashion, uh, it mitigates our sanctification, it robs us, of growing in holiness, and it robs God of his glory. So Paul says the will of God is that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles do who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter because the Lord is an avenger in all these things. There it is. He's an avenger. He is going to bring vengeance, his vengeance. We're told you beforehand and solemnly warn you for God has not called you, called us for impurity, but he's called us in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. You cannot defy the will of God revealed in the word of God and expect God to bless you. So what do you do? If you're defying God through acting, speaking, living, in ways that are in disobedience to the word of God, you confess to God, you repent to God, you confess and repent to those to whom you need to confess and repent in order to shield yourself from the judgment of God and be able to receive the mercy of God. This is the will of God. Verse 9, now concerning brotherly love, that is love for one another in the church, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that indeed is what you're doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do the same and more. 
This is the will of God, verse 11, to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs. This is the will of God, to work with your hands as we instructed you to work. Do your work. That you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. Go over to chapter 5. Verse 12, we ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. We urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repay evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. God's will is revealed to us in his word. Charles Spurgeon, I quoted this last week. Charles Spurgeon says, I'm not concerned about what God has decreed, that is, the secret will of God, because I don't know it. What I'm concerned about is the reveal will of God and the part of the reveal will of God that I don't even, I don't even do. And I think that's true for all of us. We, we have struggles with these issues, and we need God's help in growing in faithfulness. Now, the last thing I want to do tonight and do it very quickly is talk about, uh, because we're going to talk about providence next, God's providence, is talk about the fact that revealed will of God includes uh, prudence. It includes practical wisdom. James says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God and God will give it. Uh, we learned today that there's a wisdom of the world and there's the wisdom of God. You can't mix these two. They're oil and water. So you can't mix the wisdom of the world. There is a wisdom from the world, and there is a wisdom of God, and those two don't, cannot be blended in any way. We need God's wisdom in practical matters. So this is what I often hear when somebody asks me about the will of God, and I just want to be honest with you biblically. God has revealed his will that we need to know in his word. You read his word, you get his will, but this is how I hear it. Some young lady has fallen in love with some young man. She wants to know if it's God's will for her to marry him. Now, if you will find a verse in the Bible that tells her, I will read it to her. But there is none. So how would she know the will of God for her life in that matter? What is the first thing a young woman should look for in a man who's a prospective husband? Number one thing. Huh? Is he a Christian? If he's not a Christian, should she marry him? No. Oh, but he's not a Christian, but he's made his first million already, and he's on his way to the second million, and he's a good guy, and one of these days he's going to get saved. Should she marry him? No. Period. Exclamation point. Because as soon as she steps into that relationship, she has gone against the revealed will of God that believers are to marry believers. The people of God are to marry, they are to marry 
one another. Uh, There are things that God tells us in his word that give us wisdom about things that have to do with critical issues like marriage. Where should I go to college? That's a matter of prudence. It's a matter of wisdom. What should a person be concerned about as a Christian looking at going to college? What if they're going to a college that is designed intentionally as a secular university to lead them away from faith in and faithfulness to Jesus? Should that be a concern? Yes. Where should I go to church? For you, Carolyn, the answer is simple. First Baptist Church of Waynesboro. And for you, too. No, I'm just kidding. What should you be looking for? Well, listen to the Bible. The Bible gives instruction. Paul gives instruction to Timothy that what he is to do is to preach the word. He is to be instant in season and out of season. He is to preach the inerrant, infallible word of God so as to reprove, to rebuke, to correct, to instruct. What if a church has all kinds of programs, provides all kinds of activities for every age group in your family, but they're not preaching and teaching the word of God? Do you think that would be the will of God for your family? No. No. You're looking for a place that is faithful to the Word of God. There are so many issues that we face for which we don't have chapter and verses that we have to pray. We have to talk with other brothers and sisters. We have to have them praying for us. We must read and study God's Word and try to make decisions that are in keeping with faithfulness to God's Word. And on those issues... And on those issues, and I think all of us know this, on those issues where there's not direct um, declaration in Scripture that gives us clear direction, and we have to exercise wisdom and prudence, from time to time, all of us will make bad decisions. Haven't you done that? You look back and say, why did I do that? You know what you're thankful for in that moment? You're thankful for the eternal decreed will of God. That God uses our mistakes, our flaws, and failures as his people. As a part of the process of growing us to be more like him. We fail often, right? God never fails. Father, we thank you for this night together. We thank you that you have chosen to reveal your will to us in your word. And your word is clear. We can understand it. We can hear it. We can know what it says. And then we are called by the power of your Holy Spirit to obey it, to do what it says. 
And in those areas of our lives where we have no clear direction by way of Scripture, we have the Holy Spirit through your word to give us wisdom. And we pray for that wisdom as we make those kinds of decisions. Many of us face them every day of our lives, and we need that wisdom. God, we thank you, as we do every Sunday for the Lord's Day, for being able to gather together morning and evening today and being able now to go into this week. And we pray, be good, faithful, loving, kind, bold, and courageous ambassadors for the gospel. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.